Well, as most of you are aware, it was 78 years ago yesterday that our naval base at Pearl Harbor was attacked. A surprise attack, right? Things sneak up on us sometimes. And uh, some of you, like me, probably served there when you were in the Navy. My second ship was homeported out of Pearl Harbor. So I'm real familiar with the geography there, shall I say. But I also have a, uh, a special privilege that, again, I share with some of you, I'm sure, but I actually know somebody who was there. Talk to him about it, the, the whole situation. His name is Rupert Crabb. Rupert uh, was actually the brother of our family physician's wife. That's how I know Rupert. He was another guy from up in the panhandle. And on December 7th, when the zeros came down through Coley Coley Pass there into Pearl Harbor, Rupert was there. He was actually on a motor whale boat. A motor whale boat is like about a 90-foot boat, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. He was uh, going back and forth between, uh, or making a, making a, a trip between his ship and Ford Island. Ford Island's an island in the middle of Pearl Harbor with office buildings and whatnot. When the Rupert looked up and saw a uh, zero coming down out of the, out of the sky there uh, toward his direction, talk about a surprise. Talk about a wake up, right? Our sermon reading this morning on the second Sunday of Advent comes from Matthew, the third chapter, the first 12 verses. Consider the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. 
the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who in the fullness of time sent your son to redeem us of our sin, to set an example for how we should live. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Okay, it's time for our Advent slash Nativity lesson, right? Now, I know all of you know this anyway, but it's apropos at this particular time for me to remind us all about it. Baby Jesus is only in two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke. There's no baby Jesus in Mark. There's no baby Jesus in John. There's no baby Jesus anywhere else. We only have wise men where? Matthew, okay? There are no wise men in Luke. There are shepherds in Luke. There are wise men in Matthew. And shepherds and wise men don't get together at the same time. So 99% of the nativity scenes in the world are biblically inaccurate which is okay. It's, I mean, it's okay as long as we realize this. It's, it, it gets muddled up when we don't realize it. The wise men came to see Jesus when he was about two years old, okay? They didn't come the night he was born after the angels sang and all that, right? That was the shepherds. Okay, enough of that. John the Baptist, though, John the Baptist, on the other hand, as we might say, is in all four Gospels. Did you realize that? John the Baptist is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and one could argue Isaiah chapter 40 and Malachi chapter 3, or chapter 4. So John the Baptist shows up quite a bit. Now John the Baptist and Jesus didn't have different messages, but they had different roles to play in God's grace for the whole world. That's what, they had different roles to play. And I believe, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit this morning, that we can all learn some real good lessons from John the Baptist. And in a way, we can all be like John the Baptist. That is, we all have the ability to prepare the way of the Lord for people who don't know about the Lord coming, and to remind both ourselves and those around us in the world that the Lord is coming again. We celebrate at this time of year the Lord's first arrival among us, but there's going to be another one. And hopefully, it won't, at least it won't take any of us by surprise like the Japanese did on the 7th of December, 1941, to the folks that were at Pearl Harbor, right? Now, it says there, John came out of the wilderness. It said he showed up out there in the wilderness. Now, what happens out in the wilderness? Again, remember, the important lessons of the Bible, the really important lessons in Scripture, don't just show up once. They show up over and over and over again. And again, this is something we see around us. This is, this is one of the hallmarks of a cult, right? They'll pick one verse often and, and base everything upon it. Don't do that. 
you're treading on dangerous ground. But the things that are in the Bible that are perennial, that are repeated, that God really emphasizes, like when Jesus says, verily, verily, right? When, he's, when he says, truly, truly, twice, it's time to listen, right? It's time to pay attention. So what we see here is, is that where were the children of Israel? They were out in the wilderness for 40 years, right? What did they learn out in the wilderness? Some of them anyway. To depend upon God, right? That's what you learn in the wilderness. You know, when you're fat, dumb, and happy, and everything's going okay, you got a full tank of gas, a clean windshield, and a shoe shine, you don't worry about God, right? But when you're broke down on the side of the road, you know, out by Gila Bend, in Gila Bend, Arizona, and it's 104 degrees, and you forgot your water bottle, and your spare tire is out of air, probably makes you think about God, right? Or AAA, depending upon your, uh, depending upon your situation, all right? Well, John went out in the wilderness, too, and learned to depend upon God, I believe. And the wilderness can be just about wherever you are depending upon the circumstances. But when the circumstances really look bad, that's when you call upon the Lord. That's when you depend upon the Lord. You know, and I think about my friend Rupert that Sunday morning. It was a Sunday morning in Pearl Harbor. There he was in paradise, right? And paradise became a wilderness that fast, right? That fast as it can in all of our lives, right? We can be going along thinking things are just groovy, and then all of a sudden, the bottom can fall out, right? Now, John prepared himself in the wilderness. He spent time in God's presence. If you want to be effective in the presence of the people around you, you need to spend time in God's presence. And John did, and John was preparing the way of the Lord, who also, we'll read a little bit later on, and you can read it in Mark and Luke as well. Jesus went and spent 40 days out in the wilderness, set himself apart, spent time alone with God before he started his ministry. And we can all do that. Then John does another thing that we all have the ability to do. John shined light into dark places and on evil. We all have that ability too. And John wasn't shy about it. Look at what he did. I mean, he, he, he ultimately got killed for it, right? He, didn't, he, he shined the light on evil, whether it was in the state, whether it was in the church, or whether it was in the community. Make no mistake, evil is out there. Evil still exists to a very, very large extent. When we remember things like what happened 78 years ago, we're remembering that evil has not been alleviated. Human nature does not necessarily like truth better than lies. Human nature doesn't necessarily like order rather than chaos. Human nature doesn't necessarily like community rather than self-interest. It happens. 
John was baptizing people. You know, when the, when, the, when the children of Israel came out of the wilderness for 40 years, they crossed the Jordan River, right? They crossed the river into a promised land. And that's what John was telling people. He said, repent, wash away your sins, and you can enter into a promised land. You see, repentance isn't so much about sorrow for what you've done in the past. It's about the promise of what's in the future. What's in the future? You know, repentance is just a fancy word saying change your mind. That's what it means. Turn around. Change your mind. Go the other way. We all, like John, can shine light on evil. John shined light on evil and prepared the way for what? For Jesus, who was what? The light of the world. I am the light of the world. And then something, again, each and every one of us can do. We can be the voice crying in the wilderness like Jesus was. He was the voice. What did he say? He said, he didn't say, he said, repent of what you've been doing, change your ways. But he didn't say, sit around in sackcloth and ashes, right? He said, do good works. Do good works. Do something good. Get out of yourself. I don't know what I would have done. That zero dropped a torpedo. It dropped a torpedo, and Rupert made a decision pretty fast. That torpedo was heading straight for his ship. He turned the tiller and ran the motor whale boat in front of the torpedo to keep it from hitting his ship. He was successful. One could say he single-handedly saved his ship. There would have been more dead that morning at Pearl Harbor had it not been for Rupert Crabbe. There were two other guys on the motor whale boat with him. One of them was killed, and Rupert and the other one lived. They went up in the air a little ways and came back down and got baptized, so to speak. I don't know that Rupert had particularly repented of anything at that particular moment, but I do know that it changed his life and it changed his mind. And he saw the promise of the future. It also reminds us that when we speak out, act out, and do good, it's not always without cost, right? That one guy was killed. That his, his shipmate was killed. And he never got over that. But it was balanced by the fact that many, many of his shipmates lived because of his actions. We have those decisions to make from time to time, too. And confronting evil, sometimes people are hurt. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. That we shouldn't do it at all. We have voices. And we still have the ability to speak up and confront evil if we will. If we will. If we refuse to, we're living in a time when our voices might be silenced. 
history repeats itself and voices have been silenced in the past when people don't stand up and appreciate what they have and take responsibility for what they have and be willing to risk themselves when situations present themselves as they did to my friend that morning. So John the Baptist was a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the paths of the Lord, prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus was the voice who said what? My sheep hear my voice and follow me. So this morning as we think about John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord, I want us all to remember that we too can prepare the way of the Lord. Who is it that needs to know about the Lord so they won't be taken by surprise? And remember, remember, repentance is about taking responsibility for the future and forgetting about the past and our personal desires. What things in your life need to be made straight? What trees in your life need to be cut down and burned up so that the people around you can hear your voice preparing the way of the Lord? Who is it around you who doesn't know when that torpedo is going to be bearing down on them.